This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. The Blue Cliff Record, Case 73. A monk asked Great Master Ba, Leaving the four phrases and cutting off the hundred negations, I ask your reverence to directly indicate to me the meaning of the coming from the West. Great Master Ba said, I'm tired today. I can't preach it for you. Go ask Chizo. The monk asked Chizo. And Chizo said, Why didn't you ask the master? And the monk said, The master told me to come and ask you. Chizo said, I have a headache today and I can't preach it for you. Go ask Brother Kai. The monk asked Brother Kai. Brother Kai said, when it comes to that, I don't know. The monk told Great Master Ba what had happened. And the master said, Chizo's head is white, Kai's head is black. We have the monk coming, as they say, in all earnestness, asking, can you just cut to the chase? What is this all about? Right? This is leaving aside the four phrases and the hundred negations, right? It's like, Stop telling me all that stuff about Hegel and Wittgenstein and Heidegger, you know. What is this really all about, right? I think of, it is if the monk says, once and for all, just pull back the curtain and show me what's really there. And I would reply, it's a lovely curtain, isn't it? In each case, the monk is asking for a direct expression of the meaning of the coming from the West, and in each case he gets it. But in each case he doesn't get it. He doesn't get he's getting an answer. He thinks he's stumbling on an obstacle in the path rather than seeing the path itself. I'm tired today. I have a headache. Just this. Brother Kai is a little subtle and he says, as for that, I don't know. Well, don't know is another kind of direct expression of bodhidharmas, right? 
the way Master Ba says one's head is white, one says is black, and one's, one case white is the light that illuminates a particular, and the black is the darkness of not knowing. Both are appropriate answers. But the monk doesn't get it. In a way, it's too subtle. Another version of this we get in case 17. A monk asked Kioran, what is the meaning of the patriarchs coming from the West? Kioran said, I'm tired from sitting a long time. Here, he doesn't say, I can't answer today because I'm too tired. He says, sitting, sitting a long time becomes tiring. It's like he's really just uh, handing him an answer. But we, again, we don't know if the monk gets anything about it at all. Yesterday we talked about the monk who got moved for an answer and how for generations monks are set, set off with the question, what is moved? And whatever they say is wrong. Wherever they go, they can't find it as if it's the most elusive thing in the world. In the Sandokai it says the absolute works together with the relative like two arrows meeting in midair. When you're looking for Mu like this, the monk in the koan, it's as if it's this impossible, improbable event, like two arrows meeting in midair. How, you know, you just can't find anything that makes it happen or that fits. But in these koans, it's all, it comes at it from the opposite direction. I'm tired. I have a headache. I don't know. Here, you can't miss. Ordinary life fits the absolute like a box and its lid. When you come from that direction, everything is it. Right? Everything, every particular is a manifestation of the absolute. What wouldn't be an answer? For Sashin, we were reading from the end of uh, the collected uh, talks of Kyogen Carlson. And in the epilogue, there's this account of a, an encounter with a monk with his teacher, uh, G.U. Kennett. And there again, we get a classic uh, tale of a very 
unhappy camper monk, you know, somebody who's really struggling. And she says, I've been a monk here for years. I've done everything I thought I was supposed to do, but still miserable. I get depressed, I get anxious, I can't solve my koans, I just, it just, nothing seems to be working for me. What's the matter? And Kenneth says, you are still here. And I think you could uh, interpret that I think in at least three ways. Most superficial level is you're literally still here. You're hanging in there and you're persisting. That's what counts. Just stick to it. It's true, but probably not too satisfying to somebody who's in that uh, desperate estate. The second level would be a somewhat trailing edge interpretation, putting the emphasis on the you. You're still here. You're still putting yourself, putting your ego into the middle of the picture. We're told, you know, in koans, in, in the summer, the heat kills the monk. In the winter, the cold kills the monk. Well, what that's supposed to mean is in the summer, you're completely non-separate from the heat. In the winter, non-separate from the cold. You're killed in the sense that your resistance disappears. Your ego and judgment disappears. You're just hot. You're just shivering. Right? You're just having completely the experience. Hard Truth Sutra says, with no hindrance, therefore no fear. That's what killing means there. No hindrance, just completely at one with the thing happening. So the second level of Kenneth's comment could mean you still have your ego in the midst of all this suffering. You, you need to just suffer, right? If you just stayed in the middle of it without the, the judgment, it would be a different experience. The third way of talking about it would be to treat it like we hear in these koans and say, your true self is still here. Your true self is still right in the middle of the thing you're presenting. It's never been missing. You're saying you don't get it? That's it. That is it. Not getting it. Suffering. That's it. We're not here to make all this change and go away except to break down all the barriers of resistance and judgment and separation between us and the experience we're having. It's a, 
It's a dramatic version of the kind of thing, you know, I hear all the time in Dokusan from people who say, after all these years, I'm still anxious, you know, or I still get depressed, or my mind still is wandering all the time in, in sitting. Okay, sitting long becomes tiring. See, I, I sometimes describe this approach, what we're doing here as post-enlightenment practice. And I call it that not because I'm attributing the deep kensho to all of you, but because we're trying to approach things from this direction of you can't miss, rather than where is it, where is it? Dogen talked about the identity of practice and realization. Zazen is not a technique. It's not a means to an end. It's not a way to become enlightened. The two are inseparably one. Your sitting is the manifestation of the, the enlighten, of enlightenment. It is the manifestation of impermanence and interdependence and perfection. It's just this, just this. <coughs> now the danger sometimes is when you <coughs> talk about the identity of Zazen and enlightenment, that Zazen itself gets fetishized. That you get totally preoccupied with having perfect posture, right? Well, perfect posture is a nice thing to have, but that's like getting hooked on, you know, being tired as the manifestation of uh, the absolute and figure, well, my practice will be taking a nap, you know. Well, taking a nap is, is fine and sitting with perfect posture is fine, but the point is much more not to zero in on anything in particular, but to see life as it is, as synonymous with realization, just being non-separate from whatever is happening. Now we belong to this long tradition in which we practice non-separation through the practice of zazen. It's sort of the stick that we need to be hit with to, to get our attention. It's a very good vehicle to slow down, stay with what's happening, and let it just be now, we tend to need the form, the ritual, the discipline to hold us still long enough to have something of that experience. But we shouldn't fetishize the sitting or the zendo and think that this is the only place the absolute ever manifests. 
It's everywhere all the time. And the question is, do we train ourselves in a way that that becomes more and more obvious? And that's not like we uh, walk around all gaga saying, oh, this is it, this is it. You know, it's, it's much more that we are at home in our own skin, at home in our own life. A matter of no hindrance, of non-separation, a sense of presence and okayness rather than judgment and lack in this chronic sense of, well, this isn't it, I'm not doing it right. Now, like the monk in the Kyogen story, even saying, this isn't it, I'm not doing right, is it. But it takes a certain sophisticated and mature practice to really treat even your own doubt as it. That's sort of what we cultivate when, as we sit, all sorts of stuff goes through our mind. We have all sorts of experiences. And they're all it, right? And gradually, everything just evens out. The thoughts, the feelings, the sounds, the smells, the tastes. Just this, just this, right? From the perspective of Mu, it's so hard to realize that you have to do a practice of extreme effort and extreme concentration uh, and a kind of elite discipline and performance, and then you might have a ghost of a chance. From uh, this other perspective, it's just so simple that we don't recognize it while we're right in the midst of it. Which is it for you? So hard you can never imagine doing it? Or so easy that you can't miss? <laughs> 